In whom you also trusted, writing to these Ephesian Christians, after you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, in whom also, unbelieving, you were sealed with that Holy Spirit of promise, which is the earnest of our inheritance until the redemption of the purchased possession under the praise of his glory. And grieve not the Holy Spirit of God, whereby you are sealed until the day of redemption. Now he which establisheth us with you in Christ and hath anointed us is God, who also hath sealed us and given the earnest of the Spirit in our heart. Welcome to the Unchanging Word Radio Bible Study. Our teacher is Dr. John G. Mitchell, a man who was faithful in teaching the Word of God for more than 60 years throughout the Northwest. Dr. John G. Mitchell often asked a question that is still inscribed on the library wall on the campus of Multnomah University. He asked it of every class and challenged every student with it. Don't you folks ever read your Bibles? It is quite evident that he did. Dr. Mitchell once forgot his Bible in his office when he arrived to teach a graduate level class on the Minor Prophets. Without a pause, he quoted the scripture for the day word for word from memory. Dr. Mitchell knew his Bible. Many were blessed by his Bible teaching, and today we invite you to share in those blessings by listening to the Unchanging Word Radio Bible Study. The name of our study, The Unchanging Word, highlights the fact that God's Word has not changed. What God reveals in His written Word was true in the past, is still true today, and will be true tomorrow. The truth in God's Word was, is, and always will be true. God never changes. Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today and forever. We continue in this lesson on the biblical truth concerning the sealing of the Holy Spirit. We find that the believer in the Lord Jesus Christ is sealed until the day of redemption. This is the day that God redeems his purchased possession at the coming of Jesus Christ for his church at the rapture. Dr. Mitchell states from Ephesians chapter 4 verses 25 through 30, that because we are sealed to the day of redemption, we are not to grieve the Holy Spirit. Now, these verses all disclose what those things are that do grieve the Holy Spirit. In 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verses 21 and 22, the Apostle Paul states that God is the one who establishes, anoints, seals, and gives us the Holy Spirit as a guarantee of our redemption in Christ. Well, here's Dr. Mitchell on the Unchanging Word Bible Broadcast. As we continue our lessons on the ministry of the Spirit of God in everyone who has really accepted the Lord, allow me to refresh your memory again. At the moment a person accepts the Savior, they are immediately born of the Spirit of God. This speaks of our relationship as the children of God. We're born of the Spirit. And then we receive a new life. We're in a new relationship with a new responsibility, with new hopes, with new aspirations, 
We're new men and women in Christ, born of the Spirit of God. And then every believer, the moment they accept the Savior, they are indwelt by the Spirit of God. That means that our very bodies become the sanctuaries of the Holy Spirit. You remember Paul spoke of this in 1 Corinthians six nineteen when he said, Don't you know that your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit, which you have of God? And you're not your own. You've been bought with a price. Therefore, glorify God. Where? In your body and in your spirit, which, is, which belongs to God. Then every believer is sealed by the Spirit of God. That means that God is going to preserve us until the day of redemption. It's a wonderful thing to realize this. Uh, as we spoke in our last lesson concerning the sealing of the Spirit of God, that were put in Christ and sealed in Christ until the day of redemption. This is true of all Christians. You know, it's an amazing thing to me that I find God's children, and I'm not questioning the fact that they belong to the Lord, but for some reason or other they become greatly mixed up in this question of the ministry of the Spirit of God in their lives. I'm reminded of what our Lord said in John 7, 37 to 39. You remember the eighth day of the Feast of Tabernacles, the last day, the Lord Jesus said, He that believeth on me, as the Scripture hath said, out of his belly shall flow rivers of living water. This spake he of the Spirit, which they that believe on him should receive. The Spirit was not yet given, because he was not yet glorified. And then in Romans chapter 8, verse 9, I read, You are not in the flesh, but in the Spirit. If so, be the Spirit of God dwell in you. If any man have not the Spirit of Christ, he is none of his. Putting it in very simple language then, every believer in Christ is born of the Spirit, indwelt by the Spirit, is sealed by the Spirit. And we were taking up the question that this speaks of the that the one whom the Father chose and whom the Son purchased, the Spirit sealed. This is the work of God. All that I have been saying is a work of God, not necessarily an experience, though one may have many experiences, but the experiences are the footage of what we have in Christ. Now, we were speaking in our last lesson of the fact when we talk about being sealed in Christ, speaks of preservation, it speaks of security and permanency, it indicates divine approval, it indicates a finished transaction, it prevents corruption from the outside, molestation, it indicates divine ownership. And I tell you, it's a wonderful thing to know that, that we belong to him. As uh, Galatians chapter 6, verse verse 15, 16, and 17, remember it? Uh, Wherefore, being a Jew or a Gentile, profiteth nothing but a new creation. And Paul goes on to speak of the fact of God's ownership of him and of God's people. And how long are we sealed? We are sealed until the day of redemption. You remember in Ephesians chapter 4, verse 30, where we read, 
uh, grieve not the Holy Spirit of God, whereby you are sealed until the day of redemption. Or you take Ephesians chapter 1, verses 13 and 14, where the Spirit of God is the seal from God. He's the earnest of our inheritance until the redemption of the purchased possession. My friend, just as sure as God is on his throne and Christ has died for us and the Spirit of God seals us, just so sure are we of where we are in Christ Jesus. Now, this gives us real peace of heart and peace of mind. Now, someone's going to ask the question, all right, we are sealed until the day of redemption. I thought we were redeemed. Yes, we have been redeemed from the guilt and penalty of sin. Now, remember, the word redeem means to set free because of a purchase. The Lord bought us for himself for the purpose of emancipation, setting us free, especially from the guilt and penalty of sin. And we are being saved today from the power of sin because of our union with Christ. But now this question of the day of redemption, that's the completion of our redemption, uh, when the very body will be redeemed. You remember you have this in the book of Romans. In Romans, for example, chapter 8, verse 23, uh, he goes on speaking of this glorious fact uh, that we are waiting for the redemption of the body. In Romans 13, 11, where Paul says it's high time to awake out of sleep for our salvation is nearer than when we believed. The apostle Peter speaks of it in 1 Peter 1, 5, when he says that we are kept by the power of God through faith unto a salvation yet to be revealed in the last time. In Philippians chapter 1, verse 6, Paul says, being confident of this very thing, that he which hath begun a good work in you. And by the way, he began that work in you and you are saved. And he will perfect that work until the day of Jesus Christ. And then you remember Paul could say in that wonderful verse of 2 Timothy 1.12, I know whom I have believed and am persuaded that he is able to guard the deposit until that day. And allow me to go back to a verse which we have used so much with respect to the redemption of the body, and I speak of Thessalonians chapter 5, verses 23 and 24, where we read, Now the God of peace sanctify you wholly. And I pray, God, your whole being, spirit, soul, body, be preserved blameless under the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ, faithful as he that calleth you, who also will do it. And we're asked by God not to grieve the Spirit of God because he has sealed us until the day of redemption. So you remember these verses, will you please? Ephesians chapter 1, 12 through 14. Ephesians chapter 4, verse 32. 2 Corinthians 1, 22. And then if I may give you the, the one in Jude, the first verse, of Jude. Now, having said that, I would like to suggest this especially. On this verse 32 of chapter 4 of Ephesians, we're asked, and I add this to the, to this, to the lesson, because 
we are sealed until the day of redemption, we are asked not to grieve the Spirit of God. Now, what are the things that grieve the Spirit of God? So if you go back to that chapter in Ephesians chapter 4, we're told, put on the new man which after God is created in righteousness and true holiness. Wherefore, put away lying, speak every man truth with his neighbor, for we are members one of another. Don't be angry and sin not. Let not the sun go down upon your wrath, neither give place to the devil. Let him that stole steal no more, but rather let him labor with his hands the thing which is good, that he may have to give to him that needeth. And let no corrupt communication proceed out of your mouth, but that which is good to the use of edifying, it may administer grace to the hearers. Let all bitterness and wrath and anger and clamor and even speaker be put away from you with all malice. These are the things that grieve the Spirit of God in one's life. Now, I'm reading from Ephesians, by the way, chapter 4, reading from verse 24, right down to verse 31, leaving out verse 30, where we are sealed until the day of redemption. The Spirit of God can be grieved. Remember, He is the Holy Spirit, and He indwells every believer. And it's well for us to recognize this fact that when you and I accepted Christ Jesus as Savior, God did these three wonderful things. And we're going to be dealing with the fourth one in a few moments, but I want to get these things very clear in your mind. And this is true of every real believer in the Savior. The old ones and the young ones, the mature ones and the babes, the ones who are spiritual and the ones who are carnal, those who live a life of deliverance and victory, and those who are possibly living on a low plane and uh, their lives are full of failure. Yet this is true of every believer in Christ. This is not something you do. This is something God does for you and does in you the moment you accept the Savior. I say again what joy, what assurance, what peace it gives to us to know that my body and your body is the sanctuary of God. We've been put in Christ and sealed in Christ until the day of redemption. And as we said before in John chapter 28, verse 29, John chapter 10, 29, I believe it is, where the Lord Jesus said, no one is able to plunder us out of his hand. Underneath are the everlasting arms. Oh, listen, Christian friends, and I know I'm talking to some who are full of doubts and fears. May I say to you, the moment you accepted the Savior, you came and were put under the wonderful care of an omnipotent God. And to make the thing sure, because God doesn't deal with uncertainties. Did you hear me? God does not deal with uncertainties. Whatever God does, he does forever. Our Lord died once for all forever, and he saves you once for all forever. And to make the thing sure, you were born of the Spirit, indwelt by the Spirit of God, and sealed by the Spirit of God. Don't you think God's going to take care of his own possession? Listen, my Christian friend, you are the object 
of his love, of his care, of his grace. And you meant so much to God that he sent his son to die for you. Something you could never do, he did. And he did it once for all, forever. And the very righteous character of God was satisfied. In fact, I want to say to you that the the Spirit of God indwelling us and sealing us is bearing testimony to the completion of the work of Christ for you and for me. That's a wonderful thing when you think of it, isn't it? No wonder people fall in love with the Savior. Did you? To think that you and I are in the hands of an omnipotent God who loves us with an everlasting love, that you mean more to him than the whole material universe put together. That's why Jesus said in Matthew 16, what shall it profit a man? If he should gain the whole world and lose his own soul, what shall a man give in exchange for his soul? Of course, you can't take that which is eternal and purchase it with material things. And the tragedy today is that we're living in a day of a materialistic philosophy and a humanistic philosophy where, where people are living for the moment. They're living for material things, fleshly things, things they see and feel and handle. Their whole life is dealing with the experimental side and they're discouraged. That's why our young people on the streets are disillusioned with our present-day society because they find it so empty, so shallow. There is one who can meet your need. There is one who can satisfy your heart. There is one who can give you real peace, real contentment, and that our precious Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ. How glad I am for many of these young people who have come to know the Savior. How glad I am for the moving of the Spirit of God in Africa, in South America, and in different parts of the world. I'm glad for that. When I think of some of these tribes that are not very far from the Stone Age, and of how they have uh, come to hear the gospel and been absolutely transformed from witch doctors into saints, from being outspoken servants of the devil to become brilliant testimonies of the wonderful grace of God. Oh, how he does it. And do you think that God is going to take a man or a woman and redeem him with his own precious blood, forgive him every sin, make him a member of his family, and then let him go? I should say not. Well, you wouldn't do that. Neither will the Lord. Now, I'm just speaking frankly and, and kindly today. I just want to talk to you face to face. I don't care what your problem is, my friend. I don't care what your circumstances are or how bad you have been in your life. I tell you, God loved you enough to send his son to die for you. And that when you accept the Lord Jesus Christ as your Savior, you become a member of his family. And to make the thing sure, to make it certain, the Spirit of God comes to indwell you, and then he seals you in Christ. So I, I repeat it. To be born of the Spirit means to be brought into a new life, into a new relationship with the living God himself. To be indwelled by the Spirit of God means that your body becomes the sanctuary 
of the Holy Spirit for God to display through you his very character. And then on the question of the sealing of the Spirit of God, we are sealed until the day of redemption, put in Christ, sealed in Christ, until the day when we shall stand before him with redeemed bodies, never again to experience any failure of any kind, never to experience any weakness or frailty, and thank God never again to be disobedient. Oh, I tell you, what a, what a Savior we have. Why in the world should God save us and then to make the thing sure indwell us by his Spirit and declare unto us that we're sealed in Christ until the day when our very bodies will be transformed and made like unto his own glorious body. No wonder this was the great, the great hope and the great message of the early church. They not only preached the resurrection of the Savior, but they also preached the return of the Lord. And in between his death and resurrection and his return, he's taking people like you and me and redeeming us, transforming us, and then indwelling us to make the thing sure. Oh, I tell you, it's a wonderful thing to read that 17th chapter of John and hear our Lord in the 11th verse say to his Father, Holy Father, I've kept these men thus far, now you take them the rest of the way. I put them right back into your own heart. God is not going to leave anything to chance, not even you, not even me. Remember, God has no confidence in anybody's flesh, neither religious flesh, good flesh, or bad flesh. But he is trusting the Spirit of God who indwells every real believer to take care of us. And this he will do. That's why we become convicted sometimes of our frailty. This is, why, this is how we know when we've grieved him, and so on. And he's the one to give us the power to testify for him as well as to live for him. Now, you think about these three things again. You, you, you meditate upon them. Think of it. If you have accepted the Savior, God is talking about you. You're born of the Spirit into his family. You're indwelled by the Spirit. You become the temple of God. And then you're sealed by the Spirit in Christ until the day when he will bring to completion his work in each individual believer. And in our next lesson, we're going to deal about the fourth thing that God does. He baptizes us by the Spirit into the body of Christ. Another doctrine that we need to know very well what the Scripture has to say. So we leave you today asking you to rejoice and to revel in the wonderful fact of this relationship you have to the Savior. Remember, remember, Christian friend, your body is the sanctuary of God. And God wants to take you and use you today to the praise of the glory of his grace. And what an honor that you and I can live to his praise and to his glory. And may this be your joy and your portion today for his name's sake. Are you weary and troubled? No light in the darkness you see. There's light for a look at the Savior, and life more abundant and free. Turn your eyes upon Jesus. 
on Jesus, look full in his wonderful face, and the things of earth will grow strangely dim in the light of his glory. Write to us with your comments and your prayer requests to The Unchanging Word, P.O. Box 398, Dallas, Oregon, 97338. And so until next time, this is The Unchanging Word radio broadcast. Life begins at Calvary.